Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. We're going to continue. Last week we kind of did a little uh, blip. We had Father's Day sermon, so uh, Father's Day celebration. And I kind of got away from the biblical blueprint that we had been talking about. But today I want to wrap this series up with part four, the biblical blueprint for the home, the focus of the home. Really, it's talking about the maintenance of the home. Anybody here ever seen a beautiful home? And they see it built, they see it go up, and it's just majestic looking. And then over time, you go by and, and then slowly you see it starting to fall apart and, and corrode because nobody's maintaining it. Have you ever seen a building like that? Or maybe a building, you know, 50 years ago that was built and you look at it now and you're saying, man, that thing has potential. I, I wonder what it looked like when it was built, right? We've all seen things like that. And the point of this, what I'm trying to point out here is that we have to maintain our buildings, our homes, our, our, our cars even, ourselves even. That's why we go to the gym, some of us. That's why we work out. It's maintenance. It's taking care of what God has blessed you with. Well, that's what this whole blueprint um, for the home has been about. It's about building your home on a foundation. And today I want to talk to you about the focus of the home. So what should that focus be? Now that God has given you this foundation, it's kind of like, like, um, at times, you know, you know, we can be in a point where we're struggling, right? Say, say you're one of these people that, uh, lost their job. Or maybe uh, something uh, happens where you've lost your vehicle or even lost your home or place to live. And, and then you, what, what typically happens is these people will now turn all their focus back to God where it should have been in the first place and begin to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. And I have no place to stay, no car. And, and so then they begin to earnestly see God. And God comes back into the picture, and He begins to pour out blessing upon them. And as they see that, they receive it. And then they begin to say, okay, I'm good. And then they step away from God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever seen that happen? People kind of use God just for what they can get out of that relationship. Rather than focusing on, uh, Lord, I need you every day, not just when I have a need. Amen? That's what I loved about Pastor Chip that we mentioned earlier, who passed away. His words again were, don't resemble the church, but be the church. Live it every day. And you cannot just resemble the church. You have to live it. That means when I look at the people I'm looking at right now here, sitting down today, I see God in action through your lives. When I look at you, I see I see people that are sacrificially giving of their time, their talents, their treasures. They're not content just to be here on Sunday morning. Amen? And that's the way we should live our lives. So this morning... I want to start off in in reading Psalms 37. Our text is verses 3 through 6. And it's on your outline. And Psalms 37, verse 3 through 6, says the following. And if you'll stand with me this morning while we read the Word of God. Stand with me. Verse 3 says the following. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. 
Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, when I read your word, when I open it up, I begin to be reminded, Lord, that you want the best for us. You care for us so much, Lord, that you want us to always go in the right direction of just trusting in you. And that's for every area of our life, whether it's uh, relationships, whether it's physical healing, Lord, whatever it is, housing, Lord, you provide the need for us. You provide the answer for us. So Lord, help us to receive that this morning. Pray your blessing your, uh, upon the word this morning, Father. And Father, we thank you again in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. So again, my point here as I want to start off is that we can find in our experiences homes that have built been built upon a strong foundation upon a foundation of God biblical principles biblical values but then over time it could be it could be weeks it could be months it could be years we begin to walk closer to that edge and then pretty soon we fall off that edge and now we're living so far away from the things of God and what he's taught us that we're left to our own devices, to our own thinking, to our own methods. And remember, if God created you, and He created everything around you, don't you think He knows what's best for you? Amen? Amen? If, if that's the case, then why would we ever want to leave that? Why would we ever want to think that, well, Lord, that this is okay, the, the, this book's okay, but I don't know about the rest of this stuff in there. I mean... Why would you even say that or think that? If he really, if you really believe that he created you and has a plan for you, trust him in that. Amen. Now, here, here's the problem, though. We can all build our foundation and attempt to live it godly, but none of us here are exempt from falling off that cliff. If you're, if you're not careful, the enemy will come in to destroy your family. He will attempt to destroy your family. And that's where we have to be wise in how we manage our families. Amen? Relationships. Um, you have to be wise. Lord, help us to be wise. Do you want to enjoy a strong and thriving home? Then continue to maintain the right focus in your home. Amen. Put, your, put the value on things of eternal. You've heard me say that before. The things of eternal value. Not on just the things that are momentarily value right now, but the things that are eternal value. That's what we need to do. A strong foundation should be our focus as we focus on the things of God. Amen? So point number one on your outline is we have to learn to become truly dependent on God. See, the person that will question this right here what I'm holding, this Word of God today, or question the message that is preached, is the one that is not dependent on God. Because they feel they can do it on their own. Until you recognize that you are fully dependent on God, 
none of this is ever going to click. It, you'll hear it in one ear and it'll go out the other. We have to learn to become fully dependent on God. Amen? And when you do that, that's when the blessings of God begin to flow into your life. How many recognize that today? Amen. That when you fully said, Lord, I'm beginning to depend on you. I, I depend on you for my answer. That's when he shows up. Because he's willing to say, okay, you think you got this? I'll let you, I'll let you handle it. I'll let you struggle with it. And when you keep bumping your head on that wall because you get the same answer over and over and over again, and you finally realize, I'm your help, then I'll work with you. But he wants you to be dependent on him. Amen? Trust in the Lord, the verse said. Do good, dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. See, there's a, there's a couple of principles here. The very first one is trust in the Lord. There's another scripture that I've shared with you too. One, my favorite scripture in the entire Bible, which is very hard to say because I have many, many favorite scriptures, but this would probably be my number one, which is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own direction, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths, the Bible says. So that means what makes sense to me sometimes isn't what I should be doing. Amen? What makes sense to me isn't what I should be doing because what the Lord is saying, I need to trust Him in all my ways. That means for my relationships, for how to live my life, maybe what, what job I should take, whether I should leave the job I have right now. It means whether I should buy a house, rent a house, you know, buy a car. All those decisions you should bring to the Lord. Amen? How many do that and have done that? Raise your hand if you've done that. Amen? That should be all of us. Any position, any decision, you need to present to the Lord. Lord, I'm contemplating moving to this apartment. What should I do? Is this the right one for me? And if you feel that God is giving you that answer of, yes, that's the one, He'll, he'll tell you, believe me, He'll tell you. He'll also slam that door shut if He doesn't want you to be there. Amen? And thank God for that, because He knows what's best for us again. Amen? There's a scripture here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 that says this, The just shall live by faith. The just, or meaning the justified, the sanctified, those that have been saved, shall live by faith. And, and that's what trusting in the Lord is all about. It's about living a life of faith. It's, it's saying, Lord, I don't see it right now, but I'm trusting in you that it's going to come to pass. Faith is, is, is hoping for things that are not seen, the Bible says. It's believing for things that are not seen right now. And God says, that's where it begins. That's the little seed I need to have a birth in you. And, and when you begin to do that, then He begins to pour out blessing in your life. Amen? Hebrews 11.6 says this, and this is the faith chapter. It says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone, and let me, let me see, repeat that again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Don't miss that point. That is so vital in your relationship with God. We must have faith. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, number one, 
and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So number one, do you believe that He exists? Do you believe that He is? Amen. That's the beginning. That's the foundation. And then He rewards you if you earnestly seek Him. Not if you just recognize that He's there. Not if you just believe that He exists. But if you earnestly seek Him, then He pours out blessing and reward in your life. Now our life isn't a, shouldn't just be about, well Lord, I'm doing this because I want a reward and a blessing. You, we should be doing this out of a love for the Lord. Amen? We do this out of a love for Him. And that's, that's one of the great things about knowing our Lord, is that you begin to fall in love with Him more and more every day of your life. Every day of your walk, when you begin to see all the wonderful things He does for you and those around you, you begin to fall more in love with Him. Amen? The Bible also tells us to do good. You know how hard that is sometimes to just do good, you know? It's not easy, amen? It's not an easy thing. Um, You know, I think of a diet. I'm on a diet, you know? I'm not on a diet right now. I just want to clear that up. But say you, you say that, I'm on a diet. And then to do good in a diet, that can be extremely, extremely hard. Or say you're fasting and you want to do good by abstaining from whatever it is you've decided to fast from and for that length of time and then you mess up and you beat yourself up because you messed up it's hard to do good sometimes right and and maybe you god has spoken to you to to go bless that homeless person that's there on the corner of you know um uh, admiral callahan and uh and ascot or, or whatever street that is i by mcdonald's that i see homeless people there all the time and god is telling you go give that man a meal and then you say, oh, Lord, that's just my, my, that's just my indigestion. You know, that, that's not you. And then you, you feel bad later. It's hard to do good, you know. And God wants you to do good because you're the church when you begin to do good. You, you are now being the church. You're not just resembling the church. You're being the church in action. Amen. So again, we need to do good. And then the Bible says there's a promise with that when you begin to do that, that you can dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture, that God takes care of your needs, that God protects you. What an amazing blessing to know that no matter where I go, no matter what part of Vallejo I may live in, or American Canyon, or you name the city, God's hedge of protection is over me. No matter where I go, As long as I use wisdom and don't be, you know, an idiot, God's hedge of protection is around me. Because God also wants me to use wisdom, amen? He doesn't want me walking out at night flashing a Rolex, not that I have a Rolex, and walking down dark alleys, right? That's not wisdom. So again, we have to use wisdom. And God promises for us that we will dwell in that land and in a safe environment. Who wants that? A safe environment. We all do. For our kids, for our grandkids, for our families. Amen? Amen. And then, what else does He give us? He gives us stability. One of the, here's one of the great things I'm reminding when we first got married, Anna and I, 
Anna didn't have stability in her house. And what I mean by that is she grew up in a home where the mom and dad were constantly fighting. In fact, she has, she used to have PTSD. I, I'm, I'm telling you, she had PTSD, post-traumatic syndrome, uh, uh, because, uh, well, there's, a, there's a, examples I can give you, but she was freaked out about certain things because she remembers seeing a man doing certain things. And I remember one time, I was in my living room, she shared this story one time. We were just newly married, and I was in my recliner. I had my shoes on, and my bedroom was right there, and there's the doorway. And I just took my shoes off, and I threw them right in my room like that. Well, she got all scared. She thought I was throwing the shoes at her. At her. Because of what she had grown up seeing of a an environment where the man was beating up the woman, not only verbally, but physically. She then went into the room and started crying. I finished watching my TV program. I come to bed. She's laying there crying. What's wrong? She goes... You mad, you're mad at me. I go, I had no idea what she was talking about. So she had to explain what was going on. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And I've never, ever, ever done that again. Because I didn't realize how she didn't have that stability growing up. And it was a lot of fear-based in relationships. And so um, it's been a healing process for her now to have stability. To have somebody that isn't going anywhere. I'm her husband, and they're going to have to bury me as her husband. And she's uh, found that place of stability in her life. And now God has poured blessing into her life because of that. How many here have experienced stability in your life, in your relationship? To have somebody come alongside you. To have, you know, God just provide that stability for you. Maybe you were raised in a broken home, and, and God wants to provide stability for you. Amen? We all need that. This was uh, the promise to the Israelites as well, of this stability. God's plan was to bring them from Egypt, from sin, to a place of freedom, of, of liberty, uh, you know, and a land flowing with milk and honey, the Bible talks about. That was the stability He was wanting to give them. So He gives us that. Number two, He gives us strength. We need the strength to enjoy the safe pasture. Now remember this. It's not your strength that gets you through the day. It's not your strength that makes you be the church. It's the strength of the Lord working through you. Amen? It's the strength of the Lord working through you. Those of you that come here, and that's 99% of you, that come up here and help um, set up, tear down, whatever it is, number one, remember this. You do this for the Lord. Amen? And, and remember, when, when you're tired and you don't want to come in and, and you, you want to lay in bed that Sunday morning, I get it. I want to lay in bed Sunday mornings too sometimes. But remember, it's the strength of the Lord that gives you the strength to be here. Amen? That's why we do it. And the Lord rewards you and gives you that strength and He blesses you for being here. Uh, I want to read a scripture to you found in James chapter 1 and verse 17. Here... God promises to meet all of our needs, right? And what does this scripture say? It says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with Him with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
See, the Lord gives every gift to you. Every good gift comes from the Father. Amen? And He gives us strength from that. He, he, he promises to take care of all of us and to meet all of our needs because uh, we, what scripture do we repeat here all the time? That uh, all things, everybody say all things, all are possible to him who believes. What are you praying for? What are you believing for? God is going to give that to you, man. All things are possible to him who believes. Amen? And then it takes us to our, our second point, which is our desire for the Lord. The Bible said, that scripture said in verse 4, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's one of my prayers every day for everybody that comes to this church. Lord, give us each a desire to serve you. Give us a desire to learn more of you. Give us a desire to want to be in the house of the Lord. But you know what comes before that desire? It's this right here. Delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. You will not want to have a desire to be there unless it's a good place for you. Unless it's, it's rewarding for you. How many, when I asked the connection question this morning, or when it was asked, know what the word delight in means? To delight in something. Excuse me. It says this here in my, in my notes. It says to experience great pleasure and joy in His presence, when it's talking about delighting in the Lord, we must know Him better in order to delight in Him. Have you ever walked away from, maybe just let, let's look at the human level experience here, from a restaurant experience and, and with, your, with your significant other, right, and your loved ones, and you go walk away from that and say, that was delightful, that was great, right? You know why you can say that? Because you enjoyed that moment, that hour, those two hours, whatever it was, in that, in that time right there. You enjoyed it. It was delightful. And sometimes when it's delightful, you don't want to leave that situation. Maybe it was a family reunion. It was a delightful time. Maybe it was visiting family on the East Coast. It was delightful in that moment. And you don't want to leave. That's what the Lord says He can have for you. Is He wants you to delight in Him, to enjoy that moment when you connect with Him. When you're praying and saying, Lord, I need Your strength. Lord, I love You today. Lord, I pray Your blessings, Father, upon my home. And then He takes delight in those prayers. And then all of a sudden, you're in this moment where, Lord, this is delightful. Your, your presence here, I just feel it, it's tangible. And your Holy Spirit is reminding me that you love me. Have you ever had that experience? And when you do that, that's what I'm talking about here. So the principle here is we have to first learn how to delight ourselves in the Lord. Then, and only then, is the desire to want to go back to that going to be there. Our desire, like with my wife Anna... You know, her desire before she got married was not to get married because she saw growing up, oh, marriages are a mess. You know, I'm going to get beat up as a woman, as a wife. That's what she saw. And so she was afraid of, of getting married for a certain period of time until, you know, the perfect man came around for her life. But at any rate, it, it took her a while to figure that out with God's help. And now... Now she delights in being a wife and being uh, married to me. I delight being her husband because we've both connected and we delight ourselves in the Lord together. Then our desire for each other just grows immensely. 
Amen? That's how it works for you and the Lord. Amen? And then, not only do we need to delight in the Lord, but the second desire, it's actually a promise to you. In verse 4 it says, And He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart when you begin to delight in Him. One of the scriptures I often quote here is Matthew 6.33. It says this, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things, everybody say all these things. All these things. Everybody say all these things. All these again, things. Will be given unto you as well. But what do you got to do first? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Lord, I need a new home. Lord, I need a new car. Lord, I need a new job. Lord, I need you to uh, heal me. Lord, what is it that you need? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen? That, I mean, I can't express it to you any clearer than that. The Lord wants you to delight in Him, and He will give you the desires of, of your heart. Amen? So begin to do that if you haven't yet. Begin to express to Him how much He means to you. Begin to delight in Him. When you're in the car by yourself driving, if you drove here by yourself, Amen. Absolutely, absolutely. The question here was um, righteousness. What, what does that mean? And, and so uh, when I say, let me read that scripture again. But first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. So first of all, the word kingdom there is referring to the things of God. And when it says righteousness, it's talking about the ways the, the, of God, the laws and statutes of God. So when we know to do uh, right and we know that this is sin well it's choosing the path of righteousness the bible says that that wide is the is the is the road the gate that leads to destruction but narrow is the path that leads to everlasting life and so in order to live righteously it's going to be a tight a tight road and we have to be careful which way we go sometimes because there's decisions we can make in our life that will cast us off you know into unrighteous you know uh, principles into unrighteous livings um, and so to speak so to say uh, what he's saying here though is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness all the things that you know to do well and and how do we know that it's through his word it's it's right here and then secondly it's his holy spirit and the question I always say to myself um, is this, is what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in that moment, faced with that question? So whatever question it is that you're facing, and you're going, well, is this, is this a righteous thing to do? Well, ask yourself, would Jesus do it? And that'll answer it 99 times out of 100 right there. Amen? I hope that kind of answered the question there, but it's doing the things that, are, that God has declared are right in His Word. Um, and we can only do that once we have the Spirit of God living in us. We can't do that apart from Christ. We have no righteousness in us, but the Bible says He becomes our righteousness. He is now living through us in order to accomplish those things. But outside of Him, we don't have the ability to do that. Does that make sense? Amen. So, so our next point, our third and final point here is, is our devotion to the Lord. You know, in verses 5 and 6, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. That means don't be double-minded. That means don't be thinking that, uh, well, I can do this or I can do that. It's commit. 
How many here are married? Raise your hand if you're married. Right here. Okay. That's a commitment, right? Amen. It wasn't, well, uh, we'll think about it for a year, and if it's working out okay at the end of the year, I'll let you know. Right? No. When you made a marriage commitment, it was a commitment. And I know we've lost track of that in our society of a commitment. And we see that all around us. But here a commitment is a commitment between you and your spouse. And more importantly, you and God. It's a covenant, actually, that you make with your spouse. So again, we need to commit our ways to the Lord. We're not to fret and worry about the circumstances of life. See, it's hard. Some people will say, well, Pastor Rick, I can't commit to the ways of the Lord because, you know, you don't know my life and you don't know my background and you don't know what I've gone through and what I'm facing right now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Lord wants to take all of that and help you as a believer. He wants you to commit your life to Him. Here's the, the, the funny thing, though. All of us here will commit our eternal destiny to God. Every one of us. We want to be in heaven, right? Amen? We want to be in heaven. We don't want to be in that other place. Amen? But how many of us here will commit to Him on a daily basis? To have Him lead our life on a daily basis. Not just Sundays, but tomorrow, Wednesday. And then the next day, Tuesday. And then Wednesday. And Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's easy to commit on a Sunday when you're in church and you're listening to the sermon. That's real easy. But what about tomorrow where the rubber hits the road, as they say, on Monday morning, on Tuesday, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're faced with all the issues of life, are you still willing to commit your way to the Lord? That's what he's looking for. Commitment. Commitment. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says the following. Cast all, everybody say all, all, your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Everybody say, because He cares for me. Because because. Isn't that beautiful? Because He cares for me. Luke chapter 12 and verse 25 says this. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And you know, that's our human nature. We worry, we fret, we, we, it, we, it bogs us down. It prevents us from seeing things clearly, clearly because we're so worried about the job, about the house that we need, the apartment we need, the relationship I need. And, and we're so worried about, Lord, how's that going to happen? When's it going to happen? And how am I going to come up with the money? And, and all those things that are natural natural things to consider, but the Lord is saying, here, give it to me. Give it to me and let me help you do that, alright? So this morning, if that's you, if you're facing something, won't you give it to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I don't have time for this. I ain't got time for this. I'm giving it to you. Lord, help me deal with this. Won't you do that this morning? Who wants to be worrying about things that are out of your control anyways? Any of you here have control over those situations? No, none of you do. So why should you begin to worry about it? You can't, you can't help any of that. Only God, our loving Father, is going to be able to answer those prayer needs and requests for you. And then verse 5 says this, Trust in Him 
And this is what the Lord gives us. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make those ways happen. He will accomplish those things in your life. Amen. What are those needs? Again, Every one of you are walking a different path in life. Every one of you are different areas of life where you have different needs. But we serve the same God who wants to bless you and wants to answer those needs. Amen? Amen. Trust in Him. Philippians 4 and verse 19. One of my favorite verses says this. But my God shall supply all your need. Everybody say all. All. All your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How much of your need is he going to supply and meet? All of it. All of it. All means all. All doesn't mean 50%. All doesn't mean 75%. All means all. And when you can trust the Lord to meet all your needs, what a relief that is. No more acid indigestion. No more having to pop Tums. No more having to pop whatever pill. I don't take Tums. I don't worry about any of that stuff. Never have taken Tums. Never. And I don't know what that feels like to take acid indigestion and all that medication because people are all worried and and all fretting because of things that they can't control. Right? Don't be that person. Let the Lord take care of your needs. He's going to meet and supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. Amen? Amen. And then the Bible says in verse 6 that He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. What he's really saying is, simply put, when you honor God, when you put Him, number one, and trust Him, He begins to honor you. He honors you. He'll actually even lift you up. He'll even lift you up. And not that we should be lifted up, but He says, here you go. He wants you to shine before others. He wants your light to shine before others out here in the community. He wants you to be the church out in the areas where you go and minister, where you meet people. Uh, Again, you know, Wayne and Irene just got back from their vacation. I want to pick on Wayne right now for a second, but or brag about him. But we all know Wayne just does great things wherever he goes. And and what did he do at Derek's house? He's out there doing, taking care of the yard, right? grandpa's he's he's doing work out there nobody asked him to do that he does that out of the goodness of his heart and he's being what he's doing in that moment is being the church just mowing the lawn he's being the church he's not just yeah i go to church i'm grandpa i'm here i go to church i'm a christian he's actually living it out and being a a godly example to his family back east Now that is a great example of how we can minister to others. We don't have to beat them up over the head with the Word. Let's be the Word. Amen? Let's live it out in our life on a daily basis. In closing this morning, um, you know, one of the things I want you to, to, to work towards is is learning and allowing God to let your light shine before all men. You know, don't hold that up. Don't close that up. The light of Christ should burn in you, and others should be able to spot that from a mile away and say, that's a believer. That's a woman of faith. That's a man of faith. Wherever you go, they should be able to spot you. But here in closing, maybe maybe you've lost that. Maybe you've built that strong foundation 
at one time. Maybe you stood on there and, and stood on that rock, but over time, you slowly, slowly, it's eroded away. You haven't man- maintained it as you should, and you're beginning to fall off that edge. You're beginning to fall down, and, and you, don't, you don't realize it, and, uh, but maybe that's you, that you've gotten to this point in time, and you've lost the focus for your life, for your family. And my prayer this morning is that you can turn that around today. There's no reason for you to have to continue to allow yourself to live in that area. God wants to bless you. God wants to encourage you. God wants to be your strength. He wants to be your stability. Amen? Amen. And, and here's the problem. Many of us in, in our homes, especially as men of God, we need to be the leaders in our home. We need to be the leaders. We, our families look up to us as the leader in our home. And it's up to you to build and maintain that home that honors God today. Amen?